You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Brigman. And on today's show, we have Mr. Eddie, Mr. Eddie Jimenez with us. Eddie leads partnerships for an awesome company that we're going to learn about, One Huddle. Eddie, how is life down in Miami, buddy? Life in, my, in Miami is great, Mark. Uh, lately, for the last week, it's been raining. So everything you hear about Miami is not what is uh, always, it's not always the truth. All right. It's been raining nonstop. But um, when it's not raining, man, life is great. Good, man. So is, uh, is summertime heat hit yet and all the humidity and all the good stuff that we hear about? Listen, I, all I know is from the beginning of June to the ending of June, it rains every single day. That's all it does. But after June, listen, the party really starts, man. The, the, the beaches are, are warm. Temperature's right. Uh, lots of drinks and lots of fun, man. <laughs> Doesn't get any better than that. So, Eddie, man, I want to jump into this uh, podcast and just learn a little bit about you and your background. Uh, share with us, if you would, how did you kick off your professional career and then what landed you in the partnerships role? Mark, now, now that's going to be dangerous, right? You're, you're telling me where I kicked off my professional career. I'll, I'll take you down memory lane. So I actually, at 15 years old, uh, and I have to save the little tidbits, but at 15 years old, my sister was a property manager for a management company. I had no business having a conversation with anyone, no business sitting in front and trying to lease an apartment to anyone. That's where my, my professional career started. I, I real early, I, I started learning about real estate. I loved real estate. I did a lot of that. But actually, at 18 years old, I made a shift and I became a trainer because that's what you do down in South Florida, right? You go to the gyms, you, you, know, you get a tan and uh, you work out. And I, I fell in love with the industry. I was actually studying to be a database administrator uh, and an engineer. And, uh, I fell asleep a few times in classes in the class and that didn't work out, but, uh, anatomy, physiology, working out nutrition that really, uh, got the better part of me. That's where I met our CEO, Sam, Sam Cauchi. And, um, him and I, we stayed in contact for many, many years. And, uh, I, I, I want to say about 15 years later, 16 years later, he invited me to come on board, uh, to come on board one huddle. It's been an amazing ride. It really has. You know, I, I'm not going to tell you all about all the bad things and, and the, the nights that I spent crying. But <laughs> that's part of the startup, right? That's part of it being being uh, in the middle of a startup. But but um, I, I really I took over the position, the, the partnership division at the beginning of the year. And uh, so far, six months in, Mark, uh, what a hell of a ride, man. It's been great. So, Eddie, was that uh, was that your first foray into specifically focused on partnerships uh, inside of a company? I mean, as professionals, we're either kind of collaborative or we're not, right? So we all do partnerships throughout our life. But uh, being a part of a formal partnering program, is this kind of your first foray into that? As a for being part of a formal plan, uh, program, it, it, it is, it is, Mark. But in, in the fitness industry and in real estate, and I did a bit of offshore uh, banking as well, the relationship, you know, it, it's all about building relationships. So I've been partnering since I've been 15 years old, right? Formally and understanding it, it, it really is my first role in it. 
I don't know what, what Sam saw, but apparently there, there was a spark there. And he says, Eddie, you're, you're, you're going to lead the partnership division. So, so far, it's going really well. <laughs> good, good. Well, Eddie, tell us a little bit about One Huddle. Tell us a little bit more about the company. I know you guys are up to some really exciting stuff, have some big name partners and clients. But uh, for those that are not familiar with the company, tell us uh, what, what One Huddle's up to. Listen, this, this is the part, the part that I was waiting for, Mark. It, it really was, right? So One Huddle. What is One Huddle? 10,000 foot view, anything and everything an employee needs to know in a game on your phone, Mark. Uh, we work with companies in all sorts of different verticals, and basically we're changing the way employees get better at what they do. For many, many years, we all heard of our, you know, the LMSs out there, right? The learning management systems, the e-learning platforms. We are not that. We are a, an employee development, human performance, 52-week-a-year platform to really get the best out of, uh, out of everyone. We are uh, powered by the workers, right? And uh, we work with some really large brands, like you said, you know, some of these brands, they come to us because they're either struggling with engagement, they're struggling with their onboarding piece, their reinforcement. And uh, we come in and we gamify all of their development, their engagement, their reinforcement. So Eddie, step us through an example, all right? So somebody's say, okay, I think I get it. I think I understand it. But uh, step us through a bit of an example so we can really wrap our arms around, you know, what's at the core of your business. Sure, uh, absolutely. So a, a, a company, let's use Madison Square Gardens, right? They need to uh, supercharge their sales team, right? Their in- so indoor, you know, ticket sales or whatever the case is. Also just getting a lot of product knowledge out there, right? Especially sales teams. And I'll use sales teams as an example, Mark. Sales teams need to learn products rather quickly. They need to show up day one, understanding what their position is, what the mission, vision, core values of the company. We help gamify all of that stuff. So for sales orgs, you know, it really sounds like they sell a lot of things. We could help them supercharge that. Other companies, they want to help with uh, onboarding. They want to make sure that their employee, when they hire them day one, they're ready to work. So we could take, once again, you know, anything and everything SOP related, what they're really going to be doing and kind of help them show up with their battery half charge on day one, get them ready to work a lot faster. I love that. That makes sense. And so I'm assuming you you talk about gamifying it. So then you keep a score. You could either, I'm assuming, share that score with with other people that are uh, in the in the you know, their peers. Almost kind of have like a leaderboard to get some some good healthy competition going. Or maybe even at a minimum, as long as they can see their own score, hopefully they want to improve. And you kind of flip that game on switch. Let's take it even a step further, right? The whole premise of, our, of the platform revolves around leaderboards, incentives, rewards, and competition. There's definitely a leaderboard. And that is great because not only are you competing with other people, but more importantly, I think you, you, you mentioned it, is you're, leading, you're, you're, you're competing against yourself. Can I get better than yesterday? What is the 1% change I could do today to make me better tomorrow? And uh, we're definitely doing it. So we, we have an over 95% voluntary participation in our platform. No other platform that I know of could, could go ahead and claim that. So Eddie, talk to us about partnerships. You know, so how is One Huddle leveraging the power of partnerships to, to grow the business? I thought you would never ask, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, 
we're, we're definitely leveraging partnerships in, in a, a, an exciting and creative way, right? We, we took a step back. You know, we have a really awesome team. And we said, well, we could always add a lot more sales, you know, professionals. We could always add more team members. But before we do that, why don't we lean on some of our partners, some of our clients that are already working with some awesome partners of their own. And uh, they, they, there's nothing but good things to say about our platform and our procedures and our methods. So we, we're using partnerships in a couple of ways, Mark. Number one, uh, they're traditional. We're using partners to, to make more introduction, uh, introductions. But the way that I found that really truly works, Mark, is that those organic introductions. Once that, listen, we love your platform. We know some people can, that, that could definitely benefit from what you're doing. So to get more business, we're, we're using partnerships. Also content, we lean on, on our uh, content providing partners. Uh, we have a feature on our platform called The Shop. And The Shop is basically your on-demand Netflix of training, if I could use that, right? Anything an employee needs to know, we have over 2,500 games queued up, ready to go on business, on customer service, on sales, on DEI. Uh, across 16 different skill levels. So we lean on some of our partners to push out some of that content. Um, and then also we, we lean on our partners to make the right introductions into the right industries. We're, we're pretty horizontal. We're in about uh, a dozen different industries now, Mark. Uh, and we're always looking for that next industry because our platform is pretty industry agnostic. It doesn't matter the industry, we could definitely help. So the best way to get into those industries, through partners. Eddie, if somebody has some content and they think that it'd be, you know, it's really powerful for employees, do you have, it sounds like, you know, a bit of a marketplace that these different content providers can plug into? What does that experience look like for content providers? Yeah, at the moment, it's pretty, it's a very unique experience, Mark, because it's not a marketplace that is open to the masses as of yet. That is maybe our next release with what we call our players marketplace. But the marketplace right now, it is open to our clients, all of our, you know, hundreds of different brands that uh, we connect our partners directly with our clients. So basically our clients will go into the marketplace, kind of play a game on one of our partners content or methodologies. And they'll say, listen, Eddie, one huddle, this is great. How do I get more of this? who put this together, and we connect our partners directly with our clients. Um, That's one of many ways. Also, for the right partners, we are allowing them to have their own custom branded one huddle platform that they're using internally, not only to train their teams, but to push out their content to their clients as well. So so a lot of perks in the partnership program that, that we're offering currently. As a SaaS company, I mean, you guys are building your own platform and continuing to keep your finger on the pulse of everybody that's a part of the platform to continue to innovate and, uh, and push that functionality, make that easy button bigger, as, as we like to say. Talk to us a little bit about innovation and the innovation uh, spirit that OneHuddle has. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good question. So number one, when you know this whole craziness happened, right, with the whole pandemic, 
the shop was one of our innovations that we wanted to push out. A lot of companies were struggling with what do we, what do we train on next? What are the new procedures related to COVID? What else? How do we help our team work from home? What is even the right things to do? How, you know, we, we're, we're not used to this, the new norm, like, you know, everyone is saying. So that, that was one of the innovations that we pushed out. The other one that we're really excited about, we're calling it win rate. And win rate basically is going to tell the managers or it's telling the managers because it's live already, Mark, exactly what they should train on next. That is something completely crazy, right? Because a lot of managers, they really want to continue to push out good content out to their teams, but they don't know what to train on, right? They're either, listen, uh, I don't want to do another sales presentation. I don't want to do another role-playing scenario, right? What should I train on next? So win rate is going to measure exactly what employees have forgotten. And it's going to go ahead and tell the manager, listen, this is what you should train on next. This is what you should really focus on. Why? Because it's measuring the way that, you know, we forget, the way that we engage, the time that we engage with the platform. We take all of these different data points and the algorithm will go ahead and push it in and say, Mark is forgetting on the sales one-on-one game. Hey, it's time for him to go ahead and check this game out again. So we're really excited about that because we're taking the hard work and making that easy button a lot bigger, Mark. Yeah, I I love so many things about that. I, I still remember all the way back in high school, my English teacher used to say, repeated exposure creates long-term memory, right? And it's all about habits. It's, and uh, uh, man, it's habits, you know, we, even if we go through a training course, just because we learn something new, even if we're convinced that this new path is a better approach, we are creatures of habit. And so I like how one huddle is, is an opportunity to continuously put these success practices, these new procedures, these new methods into a, into a way, into a mechanism, into the, the phone that seems like it's almost surgically attached to, to us, you know, 24-7. It gives us an opportunity to just step in and kind of be reminded and just reinforce what some of those uh, core pieces are that will help advance us as professionals. I, I love how you said, just even if it's just 1% better, over the course of a year, that 1% adds up. Well, it definitely adds up. And I think you, you, you almost teed it up for me. We are a habit building platform, right? Because we are mobile first, multi-platform. And that, and that tends to be a lot of the issues nowadays where we're always talking about, well, you know, you can only access this through a desktop, a laptop. Well, bottom line is most of everyone, if you would, they have a cell phone. You said surgically attached, right? We we don't we, we don't function anymore with it. Try it. Put the phone away and say, yeah, I'm just going to take some time. I actually I fight with myself to do that because we don't stop. Everything's there now. Um, and now you're able to train anytime, anywhere and make it the best way to really advance in what you're doing. Yeah, totally love that, man. It makes perfect sense. Well, Eddie, I get a chance to cheat with you a little bit. So you're actually going through our Partneronomics cohort program. And so you and I, uh, before we punched record, we said, hey, man, what are some different topics that, that we should talk through that, that we've, we've discussed in, uh, in the Partneronomics training so far? And let's, let's invite some people in to, to wrestle with these different topics. So now I'm going to hand the mic over to you and uh, have you, have you tee it up. Oh, you're in trouble now. Now the, the fun begins. The number one question, right, that, that I think pops into a lot of partnership professionals or partner 
partner leaders is if you're an, if you're an, an army of one, a team of one, and I need to hire, who is the next person that I should hire? I know that we could talk about, you know, technology and leverage technology, bring in a PRM, which is a whole other discussion. Who do I hire next? Awesome question. Partnership success always starts off with having a plan, a very overt, very explicit plan that defines what success looks like. So we're not, you know, having the tail wag the dog. We are aligned internally as to what the hell this partnering program is designed to do for us. And we're going to be disciplined to to execute that plan. It's not to say that we can't be agile and make pivots because we do. I mean, that is that is a part of it. But what what we oftentimes see is that people will just kind of choose this path of least resistance, even though it's not the path to success. And so, as, as you know, Eddie, you know, partnership programs, especially those that, you know, whether they're sales uh, focused or they're technology focused of getting these technology partners to align with us, regardless of what the partnership type is, there's this balance between um, finding and, and recruiting uh, opportunities or pers- prospective partners. And then the other side is is actually going through the contracting process with them and onboarding them as partners. You know, I'd say we have to continue to find that balance uh, between recruiting potential partners and having a solid process of vetting those out and then converting them into partners, regardless of what the partnership type is. I mean, I'll also say that one of the the things that we commonly see as, as a big mistake is doing too much recruiting on the front end and and too much uh, execution on the back end, throwing out this big net, getting literally hundreds of partners over the course of a period of time, a year or two, only to find out that only 10% of them are actually providing value to us. And so again, that goes back to my first point, get really clear on what success looks like and what the criteria are for these partners to to join your team and make sure that whenever you sign contracts, contracts are about commitments and, and obligations, period. So if you're signing a contracts, referral partnership contracts, channel partnership contracts, and the word hope is in there, you know, I hope they bring people to us. I hope they help us close deals. I hope they whatever, bad strategy, right? And they're going to be a part of that 90 or 95% that provide no value. And I had hope in there, man. I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I better take it out of the agreement then. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right, buddy. That's exactly right. So the question is, who's who's the next hire? You know, who do we bring in? Well, we we have our process, you know, our partnering process you know, it goes all the way back to Eli Goldratt. Where's, where's the bottleneck? Where's the constraint? Do we have enough prospective partners to evaluate? Is our, is our recruiting solid? You know, is our evaluation process good? Is it solid? Is our management, you know, post-contract signature, is, is it solid? Is, is it getting us the return that we want? And the question just comes back to, do we have a solid process? Hopefully the answer is yes. And then where, where is the bottleneck? And so that, that kind of opens up uh, another question of, well, 
what is the skill set for somebody on the front end, a hunter, as opposed to the back end, you know, a farmer or a nurturer? And that's that's another common question that comes up is how does that play in? No, but but I love that you and, and that's the thing. Every time you and I have a conversation, man, I pick just one little thing. I say, all right, this is great. You, I, I think you said it the easiest. Where where is the bottleneck? Is it meeting new partners? Is it bringing new partners over the line, right? Uh, to the finish line, right? Uh, but more importantly, you also said real early, you get a bunch of partners and you have a bunch of partners now, right? Because if you have a good product, no matter what, it's not difficult to get partners. Now you have a bunch of partners. What do I do with them? Just to find that only 10% of them are gonna ever do anything. And I'm glad I joined the, the cohort. So if anybody's listening, they need to join the partnernomic cohort. There you go, little plug in there because- The check's in the mail, buddy. The check's in the mail to you. Thank you, finally. Man, it all, this is all it took. <laughs> but, but I learned real fast because I'm looking at the amount of partners I have, Mark. And I'm like, man, maybe about 20% of these partners are not going to go anywhere. It could have been worse. So now only 20% versus- only 10% are going to be good, right? <laughs> so, so big change. I, I, I have another one for you, real important. All right. And let, let's see. Uh, let's talk about terminating a partnership, right? Everybody, not everybody, most people struggle with, you know, the breakup phase. What, what, you know, pick, pick one of the times that you had to terminate a partnership and, and how you went about it. How difficult was it? What did you do? Or do you just put them to the side. And I know it's a bunch of questions in there, right? But do I put them to the side and just don't show them any love? Yeah, Eddie, man, I, I cannot overemphasize how important this is and how much I love this question as painful as it is, you know, to, to address. I got to share kind of a quick story of this. And that is, I guess it's been a couple years ago now. Um, I was out in Silicon Valley doing a, a presentation for Andreessen Horowitz, probably arguably one of the most successful venture capital firms in the world. And so I was doing some work with their team, talking about you know, just delivering this, uh, this workshop on partnership success. And so one of the guys in the front row asked me this very question, what's kind of a process or how, how do I do the breakup? And uh, so I said, you know, so this partner, is the fact that you want to break up and your VP is telling you you have to terminate the deal, is that going to come as a surprise to your partner? And he said, oh yeah, definitely. And I was like, man, shame on you. You know, shame on you. And so here's the deal. Contracts are about what? Commitments and expectations. And whenever our partners are not meeting the, the expectations, it should not be a surprise to them. And so one of the things that, that happens is, especially in, let's say, you know, channel referral types of partnerships where we are casting this big net as, as a methodology, and I'll say a poor methodology, but we cast this big net out there. And basically anybody that is willing to sign our agreement, I mean, they just do it online and then boom, they're a partner. Very, very bad approach because you know, we talk about this, this Pareto principle of 80-20, you know, 20% of your partners will, you know, will provide 80% of the results. What we find in partnering is it's much less for the average program. It's much less than 20% of your partners will be providing the bulk of the results. Partners have to be 
proactively and intentionally managed. Kind of the million dollar question is, well, so how many partners should we have? And I say, as many partners as you can effectively manage. You know, so what does effectively manage mean? What we need to do is we need to be in relationship. We need to be in contact. We need to be enabling our partners. If you don't have time to lead them, and I truly mean lead them, if you don't have the time or the resources to lead them, to nurture them, to educate them, to motivate them, don't sign the deal. And it's tough. You know, it's tough. I get it. You know, I understand it. And inevitably, we are going to sign up partners that will prove to not be a fit. And we will need to to terminate some of those partnerships. And so what does that look like? Well, there should always be like a threshold of success. You know, just like you mentioned in one huddle, we have a leaderboard. You have your top half, you have your bottom half. You have your top 10%, you have your bottom 10%. It's up to you to decide who gets to play, you know, who gets to remain on the team and who, you know, kind of like the, the, the college baseball team, the college basketball team. I mean, who gets cut, right? Who gets their name put on the list? And it's an unfortunate part of business, but nevertheless, set them free. Let them focus, give them the, the, the proper respects to set them free so that they can go better deploy their resources to be successful. And so number one, the fact that you want to terminate or you're considering terminating a deal should never come as a surprise. And, you know, the number two, you just have a certain set of criteria of here's marks that you have to hit and either they hit them or they don't. And if they don't, then it's time to roll them off and, and to terminate those agreements to give you and your team and your resources, your precious limited resources to, to give you more focus on the partners that get it, want it, and, and they're ready to perform for you. Nice. Now the question is, do you break up with them via text? I hope not, Mark. <laughs> Never <laughs> break up via text. You definitely, man, it's, it's so much easier now than it was before. I mean, I think back to say 16, 24 months ago, um, connecting through Zoom, through Teams, through video, you know, video conferencing, it was nowhere near as accepted as it is now. Obviously, the best way to have conversations, whether it's your employee, it's your boss, it's your partners, it's whomever, the best way is always face-to-face. -face. But obviously, that's not always an option. Second best way, which uh, is, is very, which a very solid way to do that, that is, you know, through, through video conference. And, and I absolutely am a huge proponent of all conversations that you would have with your partners um, or anybody, team members, bosses, other folks, have it on Zoom if you can't have it in person, as best you can. These, these silly phones, Zoom's on your phone, Teams is on your phone, <laughs> Google Hangouts on your phone, use it. It's on your phone now. <laughs> Everything's on your phone. I love it. I love it. So, so you'll put a little sign up and say, listen, it's over. I get it. It's done. Eddie, I've got one last question for you before I let you go. Dude. I want you to talk to your 21 year old self. Well, that's a disaster, Mark. What kind of advice would you give to 21 year old Eddie? Man, there's so many things that I would change, right? Don't, don't, 
don't you want that wisdom, right? If I was going back, the one thing that I would say, Mark, is um, patience. Think things through before acting. At 21, and I, I struggle with this even to this day, no patience, man. No patience. If, if, if I would just take a step back, put it on the shelf, let me think about it for a second longer. Oh, man, it would have made a ton of difference. All those bad decisions, which have led me here, by the way, so I don't think I would change them, but uh, I could have you know, saved a lot of heartache. And that's what I'm teaching my kids. I'm teaching them try to have patience. It's kind of difficult to teach that when you struggle with that yourself. That would be the conversation, Mark. <laughs> Great wisdom, though, man. Great wisdom. Eddie, thank you so much for your time. Continue success with One Huddle. And I uh, look forward to seeing you in the next Partnernomics cohort, buddy. I'm super excited, Mark. Thanks for the time. Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit Partnernomics.com. <laughs>